two weekends in a row I forgot to put my mic on. Hey, good morning. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for checking in online, people. We're so glad you're tuning in with us. Um, so I guess today there's like a game or something like that. Apparently it's pretty popular or something. And there's eating and parties and stuff like that, I heard. Um, how many of you, when you go to one of these Super Bowl parties, do you like say, I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat really, I'm going to eat really um, healthy today. And you go and you'll eat a carrot or two and it's like, okay, done with that. And then you go after the stuff. It's like, okay, you know, I did my, I did my, my, my good eating. Now it's over, right? Some of you will do that today, won't you? Anyway, um, let's just say that you're at a Super Bowl party and you're with friends and you're standing there just talking. It's before the game starts. And uh, one person in your group is, is sharing and saying, yeah, I've got to go down to Iowa City and I've got to have a medical procedure uh, tomorrow on Monday. And uh, I don't have any transportation and then they look at you and they say, I heard you have a new car. Can I borrow your new car? And you're thinking, this is what you're thinking in your head. Now, this is going on very quickly. No one hears it, but you're thinking, I have 38 miles on that car. I do not want them to use my car. I don't want to loan it. Um, what excuse can I come up with? I got to wash it tomorrow. No, that's lame. That won't work. Um, I got to take it in for a hundred mile check. No, they don't do a hundred mile checks. What am I going to do? And so everyone is looking at you and you finally say, sure, you can use my car. But you don't say sure because you're saying, use it. You're saying, I don't want to look like a jerk. Right? They're going to Iowa City for a medical procedure. What? That's kind of what the parable is going to be like. We're going to talk about that. Now, how, does, how in the world would something like that fit with prayer? Well, we're going to see. So turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And um, let me read you this parable. Uh, it's very interesting. And again, I didn't mean to do this, but it seems like every time I pick a parable, there's something kind of controversial in it that... I don't really understand, and um, I wrestled with it a little bit this week, and we'll, I'll share with it what, what that wrestling match was like. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So one of the things that the disciples were all well aware of is Jesus was always praying. He'd get up late at night, early in the morning. He'd be praying. They'd find him praying, and they, they decide, you know what? John taught his disciples, we need to learn how to pray. And so Jesus, they get Jesus. They bring him in. They say, we want to learn how to pray. It's interesting. It says one of his disciples, we don't know which one. And the gospel writers aren't shy to point out, like, Judas betrayed him. Thomas did this. You know, Peter said this, you know. And, but here we don't know who did it. Now, this is what Jesus says. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your, your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose one of you have a friend 
and you go to them, go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of the friend, uh, friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now that's where I ran into a problem. I, I got locked onto that NIV translates it at shameless audacity. Some of your translations will have persistence, right? He was persistent. So the idea there from all the English translations that I saw were, was this, that it was, he didn't really want to get up, but because the guy kept asking and asking and asking, he finally says, all right, uncle, I finally will do it. The problem with that translation is, that that phrase, shameless audacity, has a very negative connotation in the Greek literature. So there's two ways that you can translate, and this is the problem sometimes you run into. It, it, you know, it doesn't matter. In, in the long end of it, it doesn't really matter, but I think it's better. In the, in the, in the end of it, the question is, is, is this talking about the person asking the request, just keep asking, shamelessly pursuing like a dog on a bone? Is that the point? And most of the English translations say yes. And the reason they say that is because they remember the parable of the woman with the judge, and she's just pestering the judge until the judge finally says, if it'll shut you up, yes, I'll do it. So they say, well, that's probably what this means. Well, I don't think it is. Here's what I think it's doing. I don't think the shameless audacity, that word there, is referring to the person asking. I think it's referring to the person being asked. So here's, here's how I would translate it. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of the peer pressure of the village, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. In other words, he doesn't want to be shamed in the community because he didn't fulfill the need that he should have met. It was a requirement within that culture that when somebody came to you with a need, a friend or anyone else, you would help them out. That's just, that's just the way people behaved in that culture. And to not do it meant that this was going to be, you know, shot around the community. Yeah, he came and he made that request and he wouldn't do it. Can you imagine that? Now, it is hard for us in the Western world to imagine that because we're very individualistic and they were very community-minded and shame and honor. They lived in a shame and honor culture, much like the, the Japanese culture, much like the um, Asian culture, there's shame and honor. You don't want to shame your family. You don't want to be shamed within your community. All right, let's go on. So I think what's going on here is he's saying he's a friend and he wouldn't, he wouldn't do it, because, but he will do it because he doesn't want to be shamed. All right, that's just a little difference. It's not about the guy asking, it's about the guy giving. All right, so it goes on. So I say to you, 
Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Now some of you have little boys. That if you were a dad and you said, hey, I think I'm going to give you a snake, they go, cool. Scorpion, yeah! You know, this is not what we're talking about, okay? This is not what we're talking about. And he says this, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So it's an argument from lesser to great. If these people who are just marginal will do the good, right thing, the good thing, how much more will your father, who's not marginal? That's the point, okay? So again, the culture of this New Testament community, it's hard for us to understand it in our Western world because we're very individualistic. We care more about how, what we want. We don't worry too much about what other people think. Now again, if we're in a Super Bowl party with a group of people and they're all looking at us, of course, we'll cave probably. But generally speaking, if we have a choice, we would choose our own you know comfort rather than worrying about our saving face or having a good reputation within our culture it's just the way we are in our in our day high value is placed on having a good name within the community so i think what this man was doing was he was thinking okay so if i turn this guy down tomorrow morning i am going to be like the jerk of the community I don't want that. So, yeah, I'll get the loaves. It's worth it. All right. So what Jesus tells this parable in the context of prayer. So what, what are some lessons that we can learn about prayer? Because there's a number of lessons that Jesus wants us to get, I think, from this parable. The first one is this. We can ask anytime at any place for anything. Now, I was raised in a tradition, and some of you were too, and some of you are watching, you know, joining us online, you were raised in this tradition too, where I was taught you go to a certain place at a certain time, talk to a certain person, and offer a certain type of prayer. That's what prayer was. Maybe at a meal, but generally that was prayer. You prayed certain prayers at certain places, you know, a certain place at a certain time, and uh, you asked for certain things. That's what you did in prayer. Um, and yet we're encouraged in First Thessalonians, Paul, and that, that, you know, that's a hard, that's, that is a hard, when you've learned that your whole life, it's hard to break out of that and move into a, a like a, you know what really prayer is? It's this really important person in your life, whether it's your spouse or your, your kids or your, your friend or your neighbor or your, the person that you, if you were to say, I, I, I'm in trouble right now, I need, I need a friend, it's that person. It's sitting down with them. It's having a cup of coffee. It's you sharing what's going on in your life and them listening and understanding what you're going through. That's what prayer is. That's, that is it's not having to go to a certain place at a certain time, offer a certain prayer to a certain person. It's talking with a friend. Jesus knows it's like talking with your father. Who cares? And you can do it anytime, any place, anywhere, about anything. God is never bothered 
He's never too busy. He's never uninterested. He's never put off. He's our Father. He's not asleep somewhere with the kids in bed going, yeah, quit bothering me. Catch me in the morning. Notice Jesus says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. And these are all a present tense, meaning they're ongoing. Continually do it. Don't just do it once. Do it over and over and over and over. Be it a way of life. But make it a pattern of your life. And isn't that the way our relationships work, right? When we have good relationships with people, with your kids or with your, your, uh, your spouse or with your friends or coworkers, when you have good relationships, you're, you're constantly talking with them. You're constantly texting them or, you know, how you doing? What's going on? You know, you're calling them. You're listening to them. You're sitting down having coffee, meals with them. That's just the way it is. Um, but what we've done is we put God at this, in this certain box that we say, well, he's here and we're here. And, and what Jesus is saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Now, was Jesus saying, if you are persistent in your prayer, then you will, that prayer will finally pay off. In other words, there, it, it, seems like, it seems like what Jesus is saying, and some people have taken that way, if you, if you keep just going after Jesus and Jesus, give me this. Jesus, give me this. I'm not going to give. I'm a dog on a bone. Finally, Jesus is going to say, all right, uncle, I give up. I quit. You can have it. Well, that doesn't sound right. The pagans believe that. The pagans believe that all you had to do was offer the same prayer over and over and over and over. In fact, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, don't be like the pagans who think with their many words that God is going to be bullied into giving them what they want. That's the way the pagans do it, but that's not what my kids are supposed to do. No, your kids do that though, don't they? Can I have it? No. 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 I'm not going to give it to you. (laughs) Right? So what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is calling us to be bold in our prayers, but we must not see persistence as a way to manipulate God into giving us what we want. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, don't see that just because you're persistent, you're going to get to the point where God, you know, God's going to, your Father in heaven is going to say, all right, forget it. What do you want? You pulled me away from something. I was really doing something over in, in Asia. Now you want me here. All right, what, what is it that you want now? That's not the way God is. Now, a couple side notes about this prayer, and you probably picked this up. Did you notice that the prayers are different? Like, let me, let me show you. So when, when I was reading this passage, you probably tripped up a little bit because you were thinking of the Matthew version. By the way, this isn't the disciples' prayer or, or the Lord's prayer. It's the disciples' prayer because the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. So Jesus is showing them how to pray. So it's not Jesus' prayer. It's Jesus showing his disciples how they sh- should pray. But notice what he says. Let me read it to you. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's not there. Right? And then give us this each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right? Or the evil one. Those parts aren't there. Now, why is that? 
Because some of us have been taught those are the real prayers that you pray. The very words of God. Right? Right? You've been taught that. That's, that's been your tradition. So if they're the very words of God, how come Jesus left a few of them out? Because it was never meant to be a mantra. It was meant to be an outline. But we have made it a mantra today. The prayers are different, and Jesus is basically saying, this is a kind of an outline of prayer, not a mantra. Don't think you say this over and over and over, and God's going to say, oh, that's 10, that's good, we're, we're good. No. Here's another thing to think about. Jesus includes forgiveness in both of these forms of the disciples' prayer. He doesn't leave that out. And I think he does that for a reason. Because forgiveness is such an important concept. And I think he does it for our emotional and spiritual health. That he, he knows, Jesus knows, that one of the things, and some of you that are, are joining us online, some of you are here today, you are carrying a burden in your life right now. And it's the burden of unforgiveness. There's somebody in your life that you will not forgive. You think you're holding them hostage. You thinking they're, they're living, you're making them miserable. They're not. They're going on with their life. They're jolly and happy and have no idea that you're holding them in such prison. You're holding yourself in a prison. Forgiveness is so much more about you letting yourself off the hook than it is letting the other person off the hook. I love this quote by Lewis Smedes. He says this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover the prisoner was you. That is so stinking powerful. Oftentimes, we have this backpack and a name of a person, or we see a person, and immediately we have bad thoughts, angry thoughts. And we just say, I can't forgive them. And, and, and all I can say is, the only one that you're holding in bondage is you when you do that. When you let them free, you free yourself. And sometimes you have to take that off you. You have to literally take it. Some of you will say to me, Pastor Matt, I would love to do that, but they're dead. You could still do it. I've sometimes counseled people, go to the grave if you can. Write a letter if you can. And say, this is how you hurt me. This is what you did, but I forgive you because I need to release you from my life so that I can be free. I've carried this burden too many times. I put the backpack of unforgiveness on and it's weighing me down. It's made me bitter. And I don't want to be bitter. I want to be free. So anyways, Jesus does include that. And that is a, a really important part of prayer. All right, here's the second thing. So we can ask for any, at any time, any place, anywhere for anything. All right, secondly, we can be assured that God will give us exactly what we need. I didn't add this, but you might add this, when we need it. All right? Now, here's our problem. We, uh, what we think we need, or what we need and what we want are two different things, right? Because there's things that we think we need, and then there's things that we really need, right? And your kids are a good example of that. Your kids say, oh, I need this. And you go, why do you need that? 
I just do. I just need it. It's like so important that I have it in my life. And you go, you don't need that. I know you want that, but you don't really need that. And you know, we're kind of the same way when we offer our prayers, aren't we? Here's our basic problem. We just ask sometimes for the wrong thing. Jesus uses the, uh, the argument from, le- like I said, lesser to greater. And essentially what he says is no good father would give his child a snake or a scorpion instead of bread. In the same way, our Father in heaven would never give us something. Because, you know, here's our problem. We're sometimes acting, asking for snakes and scorpions. He's going, no, I'm not going to give you that. And then the other part is, if a grumpy, sleepy neighbor would answer an urgent request, how much more a loving father who loves you and cares about you and wants to respond? The greater or lesser. If he would do it, of course I would do it. Come on. I'm your father. So we ask, but sometimes God says no. Have you, have you had those situations where you've asked? And, and from your perspective, it's been a good prayer, and God says no. What do you do then? What do you do when God says no? I think there's a number of reasons that God says no. Can can I just give you those? Number one, we ask for the wrong things. Now, when I say that, I don't mean we're not asking for good things. But sometimes the good things we're asking for are the wrong things. Uh, let me read you a passage. Uh, so the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the letters of the, Old, of the New Testament, and we read a lot about him in the book of Acts as he's going on these missionary journeys, he had what, what scholars call the thorn in the flesh. Don't know what it was. Was it a physical problem that he had? Was it a person? We don't know. We don't know. But it really, really bothered him. It really, really hindered him. I mean, to the point that he just was like, I got to get this out of my life. And this is his account. This is what he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest upon me. So I think Paul is asking for a good thing in his mind. He's probably thinking, if I don't have this physical limitation or whatever it is, I could be so much more effective in spreading the gospel through the New Testament Mediterranean world. This is just beating me down, and i got to get rid of it. And he asks God three times, and God says no. Sometimes we ask for a good thing, but God gives us something better. We may not at the time think it's better or a good thing. Paul finally came to a place where he realized, when I'm weak, God's power will flow through me and I will be a billion times stronger. I will be a billion times more effective. But I have to be weak for that to happen. Because what we think is, if I'm strong, then the message will be strong. And that's what Paul thought. 
And God says, no, when you're weak, then the message gets strong. Because they don't, they don't say, look at Paul. They say, look at the God who uses Paul. Look at how strong that God is. Look at how amazing he is. So sometimes, and, and here's the thing, sometimes without us even knowing it, we're asking for things, good things, outside of the will of God. It's possible, right? Because we don't have God's perspective. Sometimes, listen, there are times in your life where you ask God for something and he never gave it to you and you, you, later on you were able to look back and go, oh, thank God he didn't give me that because if he had given me that, oh, that would have wrecked things bad. So sometimes God says no because we ask for the wrong thing. But sometimes we ask in the wrong time. Sometimes we ask for the right thing and a good thing, but it's at the wrong time. And sometimes God says, wait. You like waiting? I don't like waiting. I don't know too many people who like waiting. My kids, when they're growing up, don't like waiting. And they act, you know, they, let me read you this verse. So, so this is Luke 18, 1. And Jesus says something as he's telling a parable, which is really kind of interesting. He says this. Jesus was telling them a parable to show them at times that at all times they ought to pray. Well, we've already talked about that. You know, prayer isn't limited to his place, time, person, you know, topic, subject, whatever. At all times, everywhere, anywhere. And so they're to pray, they ought to pray at all times, and not to lose heart. Don't give up. Keep on praying. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Isn't that what Jesus says? Knock. And, and by those, those are present tense, meaning keep on knocking, keep on asking, keep on opening. Uh, not, you, know, the, you know, keep on doing it. Don't give up. Now, here's, here's the last phrase is pray and don't lose heart. God heard you the first time. Heard you the second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time. So why in the world does he say keep on asking? It's not because he goes, oh, I didn't hear you. Now, I know there are some. I'm going to pick on the husband for a minute. Sometimes a wife says to her husband, would you blah, 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 do something? And that's probably what he hears, blah, 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 blah. Okay? And she says it again, would you blah, 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 garbage. Okay? And the third time, she says, would you blah, 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 take out garbage? You know. And then about the fourth or fifth time, she goes, are you going to take out the garbage? And here's clear, oh, yeah, I guess I could. Uh, you know, I asked you, no, that's not God. God doesn't go, oh, oh, I got it this time, thank you. Got it, you know, a little transmission error there. No, it's not that. He heard you the first time. But sometimes, Paul asked three times. God heard him all three times. He didn't, he didn't correct Paul and say, you should have just stopped at one. I heard you, you know, you, you are demeaning me by continually asking. Jesus says, keep on asking. Don't give up asking. Keep at it. Keep at it. It's a good thing. But here's our problem. Our problem with timing is this. And this is what I found in my life. I can't speak for you. And those of you who are watching, you may have found this too, that sometimes I feel as though my timing is right and God's is wrong. I feel like 
God, this is when, and you need to do this now. This has to happen now. This is exactly what is the right prayer, but you need to do it now. And God goes, yeah, I don't think so. Because we don't know God's plan and we don't know God's timing. That's our problem. Like, think about this. Think, remember Joseph in the Old Testament? Do you think Joseph, when he was sold by his brothers into this caravan and taken to Egypt, do you think he was sitting there, or probably walking in chains, thinking, cool, get to go to Egypt? Nice! No. You think when he was in the prison, he thought, oh, great, man, can't go anywhere down, gonna go up from here. No. But he was able at the end of the book of Genesis to look back and say, God was playing a long game. He made a promise to Abraham. And the promise to Abraham was, I'm going to make you a great name. I'm going to make you a great nation. And uh, I am going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And one from your line is going to bless the whole world. And Joseph looked back and said, oh, Oh, God is using me to save my family, to make a nation, to fulfill the promise of Abraham. Oh. I don't know when the dime dropped and he figured that out, but I'm sure he had that moment. He said, wow. And his brothers come and say, you're not going to kill us, are you? And he goes, no, you meant it for evil, but God had a plan. I wasn't on his timing, and I didn't understand it all the way, and I didn't understand the moves he was making, but God was making a long move here, and I was looking at short moves. And that's the problem we have. We're like our kids, and we don't like to admit that, but we are. Because we tell our kids, you need to wait 10 minutes. They go, I can't wait, it's too long. How long has it been? 30 seconds. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to die. What am I going to do? And you kind of go, listen, this kid has natural abilities. We need to get them in the theater because they're really good at this. And you finally, you, you know, you wonder if God is in his, you know, is up in heaven pulling his hair out with us, but he's not because he gets us. Here's the third reason that God says no. We ask with the wrong motives. James tells us, what you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Sometimes we just have to admit that our prayers are absolutely out of bounds. Somebody harms you. Somebody does something terrible in your life. Somebody really hurts you. And you, bet, you pray, God, smite them dead. Fence. Or you throw all those Old Testament, you know, King James words and you, you, you smite and fence and, you know, all this other stuff. And, you know, God's going, okay, you got to let it vent. I get it. Not going to do it. Or some of you have done this. Some of you have done this. I know you have. You have said, God, I'm being honest with you right now. Have you ever said that with God? I'm going to be honest with you, God. God's going, really? Really? <laughs> and you say, if you were to give me $10 million, $10 million, you would see this person would be the most generous person for your kingdom that it was ever on this earth. I promise it. 
And you know what God would say? You liar. <laughs> you are such a liar. Because here's the thing. Generosity is generally not based on how much you have. There was one day where, where people were bringing their temple, their temple tax. And a woman came and she put a couple coins in. Jesus, Jesus says, stop everything. Did you see what she just did? They go, no, not really. What did she do? She put in two small coins. Yeah, that's not a lot of money, Jesus. Did, you know, have you worked with the coinage that we have here? There are other people. Look at that guy just put in like a thousand times more. And now this is all dialogue in Matt's head. It's not in scripture. So note that. And so Jesus says, yeah, but he gave out of his excess and she gave out of everything that she had. She was more generous than that guy. It's not about how much you have. It's not about how much you have. But what has God already given us? So there were two things at the last, the last part of the passage that I go, one I didn't like and one I didn't really expect. Let me read it to you one more time. Um, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? All right, so, so the first one was, I didn't expect that. I expected the last part. How much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give you what you want, what you ask, what you need? Something like that. But he doesn't say that. He says, give you the Holy Spirit. Now, I think that the church doesn't understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit today. And, and, and let me read you. So this, this is, this is a, just a statement I wrote. The Holy Spirit is the channel of God's grace into our lives. He guides us, convicts us, teaches us and reminds us of God's word and his promises. He gives us wisdom from above. He gives us spiritual gifts for service. He seals us as his sons and daughters. He intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray. He gives us eternal life and enable us to bear eternal fruit. We have this gift of the Holy Spirit. This gift of the Holy Spirit turned the New Testament world around. Peter spoke in tongues on the day of Pentecost and people Thousands of people turned to Christ. They were thrown in prison, and the religious leaders were wondering, how in the world do these common fishermen have so much power and presence and knowledge of God? And, and the answer was because they have the Spirit of God with them. They had been with Jesus, and they had the Spirit of God with them. And we see the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit all through the New Testament church as, as, as a church, as the gospel is going out to all different groups, first to the Jews, then to the Samaritans, then to the uttermost parts of the world. And it's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say this. I believe the church wants just a little bit of the Holy Spirit, but not too much. God gives us exactly what we want. If you want a little bit of His grace and mercy... You get a little bit of His grace and mercy. If you want to be, uh, to live with half-hearted commitment, He'll let you live with a half-hearted commitment. If you want to grieve and quench His Holy Spirit, He will let you grieve and quench His Holy Spirit. But God says, 
not only will I hear you and answer your prayers, but I will give you my presence with you. So when you go through that valley, you have that friend that you can sit down with coffee with and talk. So let me quickly just say this, and I know I'm over time. I want to just finish up real quick here. I hope you have somebody in your life that you can sit down with and you can share when life's going well, when life's not going well, when you can celebrate and when you can cry together over a cup of coffee or just a phone or whatever. Somebody that you can just vent with, somebody you can share with, somebody you can say, uh, if they're the person that you, when, you, when you come home after a hard day, they go, how you doing? You go, not good. And they say, sit down, let's talk. And they put a cup of coffee in front of you. And they say, tell me what's going on. And you share what's going on. You share your fears, your, your worries, your concerns, your, your struggles. You're, you, you, you're just broken. And they hear you and they empathize with you. They don't try to fix it. They don't try to correct it. They just hear you. And you feel better because you were with them. And what Jesus is saying is, I have given you that friend that you can talk to anytime, anywhere, any place, about anything. And you can speak to the Spirit of God within you, to me. And there'll be times where you don't know what to say. But the Spirit of God will. That's what I'll give you. That's what you have. Now here's the last thing that I didn't like. It said in that passage that I read, if you then, though you are evil, I don't like to characterize myself as evil. I'm not great, but I'm not. I don't feel like I'm evil. But Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. The writer of Hebrews has this amazing passage. I want to close with this. Hebrews chapter 14. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. And then he says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can come with confidence to the throne of grace and we don't have to worry that we're waking somebody up out of their sleep and we're guilting them into action. We don't have to worry that when we ask for bread, He gives us scorpions and snakes. We have a Father in heaven who loves us. We have Jesus Christ who came from heaven to earth and gave His life for us. We have this indwelling Spirit of God who dwells within us and wants to walk with us and wants to have communication with us. Prayer is about talking with God about everything, everywhere, at, every at, at all times about anything. And so I want to challenge you to go out this week and talk with your father. Because if you're his son or daughter, he loves being with you and he loves talking with you. Stand with me and let's pray. Father, thank you that we can talk to you and that you hear us and that you love us and that you've given us your indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit, and that we can talk to you about anything at any time,
anywhere. And we are so grateful and so thankful. Thank you that we can approach you, your throne, confidently. Not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, but because Christ died so that we could live, because Christ took our sin so that we could be forgiven. So now when we come into your presence, we come based upon Jesus. And you hear us. And you can empathize with what we're going through. Because we have no one else around us that can. So we desperately need that, Father. And thank you that we can call you Father. We love you and we give you thanks in Jesus' name.